If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, and you want to do your part. Today I'd like to mention one means of doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out Fide Email. That's F-I-D-E-I dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course Catholic. God bless. Folks, we now know what Francis means by synodality. Finally. I know you've been waiting with bated breath to finally find out in plain language what synodality means and what a synodal church is. Is it a church that navel-gazes? Is it a church that sits around and talks to people about their feelings and doesn't call them to conversion in Christ? Or is it something more? Or something worse? We finally have the answer to that question. You see, on Wednesday, late in the day, news broke that Francis rehabilitated monstrous priest Father Marco Rupnik. He put him back into active ministry. Father Rupnik is the man behind unsettling, Giger-esque art that pollutes some of the most important shrines in the world, including the Shrine of St. Padre Pio. His work also adorns various official church programs, including the Synod Against the Family back in 2015. I used to have one of the prayer cards for that, but I misplaced it over the years. Father Rupnik is a Jesuit priest. I'm I know I'm surprised as much to learn that as you are. And the reason he needed rehabilitation is because he automatically excommunicated himself for something the Vatican pretends to care about. Father Marco Rupnik really likes the ladies. Specifically, he likes nuns, and he likes them in an impure way, in a really grotesque impure way, and he used his office as priest and his influence to coerce some into violating their sacred vows with him, and then he absolved them of their sins in the confessional. It's that absolution that earned him the automatic excommunication because it constitutes a grotesque misuse of the priesthood and a profanation of the sacraments. The reactions to this have been predictable. The Pope's splinters you see, have a lot to answer for. You know, the Catholic talking heads who engage in mental gymnastics to explain how every evil thing Francis says and does is somehow Catholic, and really not that bad, you know, those guys, we, we're waiting for an explanation on this one from them. We're all ears, guys. We really are. How is Francis putting Father Marco Rupnik back into ministry, active ministry, a good thing, exactly? The same day that news broke, the Pope's splainers cheered and made sure this story went viral instead, and it really does reveal the black heart of synodality and of the Pope's splainers themselves. Francis on Wednesday gave an intervention at the Synod, and he used that intervention to attack young, tradition-leaning priests. That's the same day that he rehabilitated Father Rupnik, by the way. The same day which shows his evil priorities. His intervention is interesting because it shows what he believes the Church should be taught in some vague w way by the magisterium, but what the belief looks like means going to very badly catechized faithful and seeing what that means. Meaning, if you want to learn what Catholicism is, learn it from badly catechized laity. And that's pretty vague in context, but remember this. For the past two years, we've seen diocese after diocese hold synod meetings where the laity demand holy orders be open to women. We've seen the laity demand that James Martin's sin be accepted in the church, and that the church stop being so exclusionary and mean and rigid. That's some context that'll actually clear that up for you. Here's Fra Francis's intervention at the Synod, in, where he attacks young traditional priests as a scourge on the church, and this got the Pope's planners doing cartwheels. Quote, I like to think of the church as the faithful people of God, holy and sinful, a people called and called with the power of the Beatitudes in Matthew 25. 
Jesus for his church did not assume any of the political schemes of his time. Neither Pharisees, nor Sadducees, nor Essenes, nor Zealots. No closed corporation. He simply took up the tradition of the people. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I like to think of the church as the simple and humble people who walk in the presence of the Lord, the faithful people of God. This is the religious meaning of our faithful people. And I say faithful people so as not to fall into the many approaches and ideological schemes with which the reality of the people of God is reduced. Simply faithful people or also holy faithful people of God. On the way, holy and sinful. And this is the church. One of the characteristics of this faithful people is its infallibility. Yes, it is infallible in credendo. Infallibates in credendo. And I explained it this way. When you want to know what Holy Mother Church believes, go to the magisterium, because it is in charge of teaching it to you. But when you want to know how the church believes, go to the faithful people. An image comes to mind. The faithful people gathered in the entrance of the Cathedral of Ephesus. The story or the legend hmm, says that the people were on both sides of the road to the cathedral, while the bishops in procession made their entrance, and that in chorus they repeated, Mother of God asking the hierarchy to declare dogma, that truth that they already possessed as people of God. Some say that they had sticks in their hands and showed them to the bishops. I do not know if it is history or legend, but the image is valid. The faithful people, the holy faithful people of God, have a soul. And because we can speak of the soul of a people, we can speak of a hermeneutic, of a way of seeing reality, of a conscience. Our faithful people are conscious of their dignity. They baptize their children. They bury their dead. We members of the hierarchy come from that people, and we have received the faith of that people, generally from our mothers and grandmothers. Your mother and your grandmother, tells Paul tells Timothy, a faith transmitted in feminine dialect, like the mother of the Maccabees, who spoke in dialect to her children. And here I like to emphasize that among God's holy and faithful people, faith is transmitted in dialect and generally in feminine dialect. This is not only because the church is mother and it is precisely women who best reflect her, the church is woman, but also because it is women who know how to wait, who know how to discover the resources of the church, of the faithful people, who risk beyond the limit, perhaps with fear but courageous, and in the Chiroscuro of a day that begins, they approach a tomb with the intuition, not yet hope, that there may be some life. The woman of God's holy and faithful people is a reflection of the church. The church is feminine. She is a wife. She is a mother. When the ministers exceed in their service and mistreat the people of God, they disfigure the face of the church with macho and dictatorial attitudes. It is enough to remember the intervention of Sister Liliana Franco. It is painful to find in some parish offices the price list of sacramental services in the manner of a supermarket. Either the church is the faithful people of God on the way, holy and sinful, or it ends up being a company of varied services. And when pastoral agents take this second path, the church becomes the supermarket of salvation, and the priests mere employees of a multinational. This is the great defeat to which clericalism leads us, and this with great sorrow and scandal. It is enough to go to the ecclesiastical tailor shops in Rome to see the scandal of young priests trying on cassocks and hats or 
albs and lace robes. Clericalism is a whip. It is a scourge. It is a form of worldliness that defiles and damages the face of the bride of the Lord. It forces into servitude the holy, faithful people of God. And the people of God, the holy, faithful people of God, go forward with patience and humility, enduring the scorn, mistreatment, and marginalization of institutionalized clericalism, and how naturally we speak of the princes of the church or of Episcopal promotions as career promotions. The horrors of the world, the worldliness that mistreats God's holy and faithful people. End quote. Wow. He used some pretty strong language to describe just how awful the young priests are who wear cassocks, who use fancy attire when offering the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The thing is, these priests do ex the things exactly the same way priests who could do so would offer the Mass throughout the history of the Latin West. They're the ones he seems to have a problem with. And he said this on the same day, that announcement that I just read to you in full, he made that announcement on the same day that it was announced that Francis was putting Father Marco Rupnik back in active ministry in his home country of Slovakia, meaning he's free to make more of that awful artwork, too. Local Catholic media even confirmed it with the dioceses there. So to be clear, priests who use his influence to coerce nuns into violating their vows and then use a sacramental authority to absolve them in a grotesque sacrilegious profanation is not as bad as young traditional priests who wear cassocks and lacy things when offering the Mass the way priests had throughout Catholic history. Francis has barely said anything about Rupnik. Bear that in mind. But that's right there, synodality, folks. Evidently, a synodal church puts monsters back into active service while smearing good priests. Needless to say, the Pope's planners focused on the anti-trad message at the synod and completely ignored the reality of Father Rupnik and his crimes. Are you surprised by that? I am not in the slightest. They'll ignore the Rupnik story as much as they possibly can. You know, I sometimes get people in my comment section trying to claim that our critiques of Francis have been debunked by particular Pope Splainers. I suspect those comments come from the Pope Splainers that they're naming themselves, by the way, who will remain unnamed here. I'm not going to give them free advertising. But I want to see an honest denunciation of Rupnik being put back in ministry in his home country from those persons and all of those who defend Francis like them. I already don't take them seriously, but now their continued defense of Francis is not only on its face ridiculous, but it's actually scandalous. This has to be called out. I'll end with this. Over on Twitter, Catholic journalist Edward Fezer noted, or Fezer noted, that some of the Pope's planners are having a hard time with this story, and I bet they are. I'll have to take him at his word on that, though, since I haven't seen it myself, but he notes something interesting here. Quote, even some of the Pope's biggest admirers are finding it hard to excuse his leniency toward the diabolical Father Rupnik. As the scales fall from their eyes, here is one of many hard questions they need to consider. Is there a connection between the Pope's theology and his leniency toward Rupnik and other wicked men? The Pope says much about mercy, but little about repentance. Has a discomfort with punishment that is so extreme that he opposes life imprisonment even for those people who have themselves ended many people. He appears to allow for holy communion for adulterers, even without firm purpose of amendment. He has said that sins of the flesh are the least serious sins, and so on. Is it really an accident that someone with such views would give a man like Father Rupnik a pass? End quote. It's not an accident at all. And the Rupnik case described in that light makes perfect sense. Francis has a warped theology of mercy, devoid of any mention of justice. 
justice, it seems, is reserved for nasty words directed at rigid clericalist priests who look who actually like to look like Catholic priests. That's synodality, folks. Welcome to the Synodal Church. What do you have to say about this? Let me know in the comments. Are you surprised that Father Rupnik is back in active ministry, back to making awful artwork for the church? Are you surprised by this in the slightest? I wonder what any women religious in the comments might have to say about this. Anyway, thanks for tuning in today, folks. Let's always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.